0: Have been considering uh worship all of life worship and as soon as everybody else gets here which they all seem to both in at nine they'll catch up but i want to catch us up really quickly and just say where we've been we have considered a couple things number one uh what the bible has said and what says what it says about worship um the fundamental text that we kind of have been running around but not really talked about is John 4, right? And uh, when he's speaking to the woman, when he, as in Jesus, is speaking to the woman at the well. And he says, "You," uh, she asks, where do you worship? Over here or over there? You know, which one's right? And he says, actually, the Father is seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth. And... He is seeking worshipers in spirit and in truth. And so we have trying to we have been teasing out all of those underpinnings. What is truth and what is spirit? And how do we get there from the Bible? Uh, how do we explain it from the biblical text? So this morning I want to I want to start the same way that I started the last two, which is opening up to Psalm 115 and reading it. We're going to read it. Together, um, well, I would hope that you would read with me as I read it aloud to us. Psalm 115 says this. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases Their idols are silver and gold. Oh, I know where one is. It's in that Bible. Can you go get it? Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and the great. But may the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence, but we. Well, bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He has given us such a beautiful psalm to show us exactly, exactly what it looks like to worship in spirit and truth. Right? This psalm explains it all for us. If you worship by your own hands, by a creation by your own hands, what happens? You become like that creation. Blind, deaf, and dumb, right? But if you worship the one true and living God, what do you do? You become alive, right? You see things for what they are. You worship in the spirit, in truth. You become like him, not like the dead idols or the uncreate, like these these substitutes that are not worth your time, nor your worship. So today... When we go to, we're going to open up to John 4, we're going to sit right there for most of the day. So if you would open up with me, John 4, we are going to start and go to verse 7. We're going to start in verse 7, and we're going to go all the way through uh, verse 30. So here's a long way around. But I want you to hear the context of this once again. If You may even know this context. Hear it again. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask, for, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. We're in John 4. You want to follow along? Jesus asked her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and this well is deep. Where do you get the living water? That living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will come in him again. will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one now you have is not your husband. What you, have is, what you have said is true. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from, technically through, the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know... That Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar, her water jar, and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and were coming to him. Did you not hear Psalm 115 all over that? Did you hear how she had created her own life? That she had created her own idol? Of how she thought to live and thought how she should worship, and yet it was so inconsistent that she was blind to the fact that she could not see what she was doing was, in fact, hurting her, bringing about deadness. And yet, when she showed when she's shown that there is something better, what does she do? She says, "Give me this water also," right? Isn't that our our entire lives? Let's just think about before you knew Jesus, before you were saved, what is it? And you still might have some remnants of this because we all do, that's the obvious thing. What are those things that, that you thought you were doing? And I'm actually asking, what are those things you thought you were doing to be a better person, to do enough good? What are those things? What are those stumbling blocks that we had in our lives before Jesus came and saved us. Anybody? It's so far, so long. It's too far back. I can I? Can I tell you? This morning, I had a phone call at 5, five a.m. and I was reminded very quickly by the Spirit that my own tendencies to want to save others is what is killing this other person. Can I save anyone? Save anybody. Like, I'm, I'm not even talking about like salvation in the eternal sense. I'm talking about just save you from your choices. No. No, we can't. The answer is no, you can't. You know how hard I tried? Way too hard. And that was, that, that's who I was before I knew Jesus. That's who I was when it, it was killing me before Jesus. And Jesus stepped in my life and he said, You cannot save anyone. You, by your own hands, are creating dead, deaf, dumb, and blind idols that you might worship. And then guess what? I was just propping myself up. Right? I was my own God. I needed to be shown. I could not be my own savior. And by God's grace, I know that. Now, but I put it to you. Can you save anyone? Can you save yourself? No. Can you do anything to contribute to that salvation? No. Absolutely not. Jesus himself has to show you the living water and say, I am he. Right? So we have this experience. What, what was your experience?
1: I was just thinking in terms of what you were just saying. Of Jonathan Edwards. Okay. You... You brought nothing to your salvation except for the sin that made it necessary.
0: And that is so true, <clears throat> right? What, I mean, what can I contribute except for everything that requires me to be saved, <laughs> right? That sin. You were going to say something, Thomas, and I, I stopped you. I that reminds me of what Paul said. Uh, I do what I don't want to do, mm-hmm. but even though I, I want to do what is right, Yeah. I, I think, and everybody, I mean, he was saying that as a Christian, right? We all kind of have this need, like, I can only help you so much, right? I can only help you see Jesus as far as the Word shows you Jesus and then the Spirit himself has to come and change your life, right? He's got to soften your heart. But I cannot take responsibility for that salvation, right? That's, That's God's work. And if you put that kind of pressure on yourself, you will wither. Yeah, you will wither. And, and that goes the same thing. Like Now I'm a Christian, I know the right thing to do, and yet I still revert back to some of my old habits. Um, so I want you to think about that. Because all of life doesn't, it should not revolve around those things that we make, and those things that we do, and those things that we help people with, and those good things that God has placed in front of us, but it revolves around God. And the only, only way you know how to do that is not just oblivious, like, let me figure it out. The Word tells us how to worship in spirit and truth. It shows us the way to life. And yet, if you ignore it, you will find yourself blind, deaf, and dumb to your own sin again. All right? So, so here I am pleading with you. Don't find yourself in the place of this person who's calling me at 5 a.m. because they are trying so hard to save somebody else. And the reality is, is they can't and they won't. And that kind of pressure is only for God himself. And so what, what do we do in that? We, we worship the one true and living God. We go to him with our prayers. That's what you do. Do you have somebody in your life who you're just praying, gets like, find salvation that God rescues them from have you pleaded with them have you pleaded with the Lord save them have you shown them the gospel truth and when they say to you I know all that evidently you don't right because you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now it was it's been a rough morning Go ahead. Okay, but that's basically what Paul talks about. In yes, 100%. And that's what it's going to be for us through our lifetime and through
1: our glorified bodies.
0: Yeah, we are going to struggle against that flesh and that, that I want to change anything, but yet he comes to Romans 8. Right? He comes to Romans 8, and he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done with the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What well, good news. What good news is that I don't have to take that on myself. I have four kids. I, uh, you guys know that. Most of you know that. Four children. My constant prayer is that I can just be faithful and show them Christ at every turning point. How easy is it for me to take up that old mantle, though, and say, I want to save you. Instead of handing you over to Jesus. And saying, Lord, save them. Use me in a way to be faithful in their lives so that I might demonstrate your steadfast love, your enduring faithfulness, your goodness, kindness, and mercy. Ha! It's so easy. It's so easy. But here's what all of life worship looks like. It looks like doing that. Giving the, our prayers in our thoughts and our attitudes over to Christ over to Jesus by the spirit so that we might actually walk in him and rest in his name because while it is good while it is, it is lovely while it is a, a good a noble thing to want the salvation of our children and our family members and our friends who are struggling you have to know and that, that is God's work. And it is for you to demonstrate His the worship of him in spirit and truth in your lives, not just on Sundays, but every day. And that's why we all know we can't do it by ourselves. We have to have the spirit within us. And so the, the woman at the well in John 4, she was confronted, right, with her own sin. She's tells her and she admits it come see the man who showed me everything about me right but it wasn't it wasn't just because you know he was a a wise guy it was because he is the one who can give her and gave her living water (laughs) eternal life forever and we can talk about all the places you know well you worship over there we worship over here who's right Jesus says, huh. well, salvation is from the Jews, through the Jews. But that's because Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> you know. And God himself had revealed him his character through the Jewish scriptures and the writings in the Old Testament. So he's giving credence to this Old Testament and the New Testament. He's not doing away with it. He's saying, look, salvation comes from the Lord who gave you the beginning and the end. And it all revolves around his son. Hebrews 1 1 3. And come right back there again. So, worship in spirit and in truth. What is it that we mean by that? With all that we've said in the past three weeks, what does it look like to worship in spirit and in truth? Not a rhetorical question you may answer.
1: (laughs) The truth is the word. The truth is the word. Yeah. And then to live that throughout right? your day. Yes. the the phrase in spirit comes right back to what you were just arguing. That, that the whole essence the, the whole of salvation is God's work. Mm-hmm. So it can't be something you whip up yeah. or you decide. It is the change, it it, it is the outflow. Of
0: God's work. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think it's the outflow of what God's already doing and has been doing since the beginning time. So worshiping in spirit and truth is not something that is uh, up for grabs, but it's defined for us, right? The Bible is quite clear. You just have to consider all that it says. And we have only considered a small, small portion of what it has said. But, um, so basically, Jesus is telling the woman at the well that the Father is the one who laid down what it looks like to worship in spirit and truth. And so now we, in this day, 2,000 years later, still worship the same way. We may not, like our customs and our culture and how, how we express, okay, the expression of this worship it might be a little different. For instance, we play guitars here. There is another church down the road that plays only the organ. And there's another church down the road that has a full on, like, concert band. And then there's, like, other churches, you get my point? Those are expressions. They're what we'd call circumstances of worship. But they are not the element of what's happening. Right. The element is, if they're doing it in spirit and truth, the element is that they are doing it by the word. They're doing it according to the scriptures. They're worshiping Jesus according to the scriptures. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're worshiping the, the Lord who is triune God according to the scriptures. They're, they're reading the Bible, and they are not trying to twist it, but they are trying to understand it their understanding is coming from God who has given them his word and his spirit so that they might understand it. Right? That doesn't like eliminate the need for teachers, just by the way. We're going to get there later. It doesn't need, it eliminate the need for the church either. So you cannot, in fullness, understand what God is saying or what he has said unless you are connected to his body. And guess what? If you are in Christ Jesus today, you are a part of His body. You are a member of His body on earth, and you need the rest of your members. I mean, go read or in 1 Corinthians, the eye cannot say to the hand, "I have no use for you." But it's all of all of the body at one time. So, is it possible? And this is a question for you to ponder. Is it possible to worship it in spirit and truth and not be connected to a church? This is a tricky one, so consider what I'm saying. If you're homebound, if you can't yeah. Absolutely. And, and if you're homebound, you probably have someone who is hopefully ministering to you. Like we have Miss Avis. Miss um, Avis, gosh, I met her the Christmas that I got here. So 2019... Right did we go did we go together for a visitation that year, or was it or was it Easter? I can't remember it was around those times I got to meet Miss Avis Miss Avis is a really, really awesome lady, but she is a homebound lady um, but she loves Jesus so much so that I mean I remember in this this intercount encounter of her talking to her husband Tyrone and this was a, Tyrone doesn't actually believe in Jesus. But Miss Avis is such a witness to her, witness to him, even in those moments where she's wheelchair-bound, homebound, unable to help herself, to point him to Jesus, even though he is the caretaker, and saying, you need him too. Right? What a witness. Um, homebound ministry, though. And she still is. And she still is. Uh, homebound ministry is, is still part of the church, guys. But if she had no one else and no church, then would she be able to worship in spirit and truth?
1: She had no word of God. It was not
0: ideal. It would not be ideal. You're right. You're right. And it's part of the church to come around her as much as we can. Right. Right, in every way. But so this, I'm just trying to impress upon you the importance of being a part of the local body. You guys know that. You're here at 930. But,
1: you know, even our military, because when we deploy,
0: yeah, military is sometimes hard.
1: chapel services aren't available, sometimes, so we are worshiping the Spirit of yeah. Truth, but I will tell you, getting things from your church family, getting things from other believers in the mail or yes. through emails or however, does encourage us on... Those particularly hard days where, yes, you may be in the word, you're listening to the word, but you have nobody else around you. Mm -hmm. Those are other ministries that we come along about being a part of the church. Yeah. That, that is. It still gives life, life. right? It's still still providing life. And it helps sustain. So. Whether it's homebound or whether it's, you know, you have surgery and it takes you out for yes. a couple of weeks or whatever. Even though you are in worshiping a spirit and truth, it's much nicer to be a part of a body of believers that you can share all those life circumstances with. Then they can come alongside. It's <coughs> the right time that God sends them. And you're like, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I
0: needed And this. how would you know that? How would you know that if you weren't connected? Can I I'd be a testimony in front of you? Don't know. For six years, I spent in the military, and I went on multiple deployments and was not connected to a church. Can I tell you how like, hard that is? How I, if I was connected to a body of believers prior to leaving, and or a body of believers where I, I eventually landed, ended up, that would have been so nice. It would have been so life giving. I did not have, to, I had to learn that later, right after I had experienced what I will just call a desert, right? A huge desert. Not just because I was in the desert, but because it was a desert. I was parched. I couldn't get enough of, because I didn't have the body itself coming around me to support me. And we have the same problems all over our world. That's partially why we do it, outward ministry, like not just interior ministry. We don't just go across seas, but we have people we are connected to that we minister to. And that's part of the body's job, is to minister to the members. If the eye says to the hand, I have no need of you, the the reverse is actually what needs to happen. The eye requires the hand, right? If the eye sees something, goes to pick it up, but doesn't have a hand, what good is it? Right? So we, we have a need for one another. I, I don't want to belabor the point. Um, But you can see that worshiping God is not just some ethereal thing. But it is something given to us. And it is something, a gift that we received, which is that body which we have been joined to. Also, like we can't can't, uh, be a part of it and truly worship. Um, Now, does that mean that you have to be a church member? Does it mean that you have to be um, all these things? Uh, we have non-church members in the room, and that's okay. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're listening to the, vo- the voice of the Lord as far as the word con- is concerned. I'm glad that you are being fed, even though you may not be a member here at Southside. However, what, there are more benefits that come with being a member, not because you get you know, uh, a discount on your dues or anything like that, but because... Uh, We have so much more, uh, there's an accountability basis there, not just an ethereal thing, but there's also a a real connectedness. This this was my issue in the military. I was not a member of a church. I was not a part of a body. So I was like two parts removed when I was in the military. And uh, you know, y'all know, if you're not part of the body at any level, You're just living for yourself. You're just kinda out there. And you're just, yeah, floating. But it's the body that shows us who Christ is in spirit and in truth. Go ahead. I think it's the opposite though, because there's
1: people that are out there that say, okay, I worship in spirit and truth, but I sit in my home. And and it but they're forsaking what the whole scripture is talking about that we're not. you know, we're supposed to be with the assembly we're supposed to be with the family yeah with others you know it's but most they of us the, it, they're to spare the truth because they're at home doing their bible reading maybe be faithful prayer or whatever to a point
0: okay yeah and so that's what i'm doing so i'm okay yeah how do you and the question that i always have for the people, how do you exercise the one another's in scripture if you're worshiping by yourself like that's hard for me to understand, but the whole point is that all of life is worship, and we need one another so that we might live um, in light of who Christ is. And being together with believers does not just doesn't start here, right? It's something that continues. It doesn't doesn't just happen in on Sunday mornings from 9:30 to 12 or whatever. It is something that happens all the time. And so, there are many ways to take part of that. This is not an infomercial. If you would like to know about all those other things, come talk to me after that. But I want us to turn to Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And this is the, if you think about how the, the woman at the well was worshiping, saying that she was worshiping, deflecting that she was saying she was worshiping, but her life wasn't consistent with the worship that she was uh, showing. she, This is the opposite. This is the call to her. This is the call to me and you. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. If somebody would read that for me. Sure, I got it. Thank you. And let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As you see the day drawing near. Let us consider... How to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. as is the habit of sun. If you can't meet with someone, how do you know how to stir them up to love and good works? If you don't have communication, face-to-face or otherwise, how do you know what they need? You don't. Know, what?
1: Everyone needs to be encouraged.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Everyone.
0: Yes. Even the ones that say they don't. <laughs> They're usually the ones that need it the most. They're usually the ones that need it the most. That's my experience anyway. But here's here's the thing. As Hebrews 10 isn't coming on the... You know, it's not coming with a hammer, right? It's not saying, if you're not doing this... Oh. It's not levying law. It's showing you... Oh, now that you have life, that life is to be shared with not only your brothers and sisters, but... It's a life given to you that is forever eternal, found in glory. Jesus is the one that is keeping it for you and bringing it to you. And he has brought you to eternal life. It is therefore your job, as those others who have eternal life, to demonstrate that. Eternal, that, like, what you actually have, not what you will have, but what you have now. If, you're, if you are saved, I'm trying to say this, I'm not saying it well. If you are saved, that is forever Now. Live like it. That's what Hebrews 10, 24 is telling you. Live like it. And so um, the Apostle Paul, he uses this kind of this termination of the, the terminology of building up edification, right? Rather than of worship, because edification is part of worship, right? It is, it is like a subset of worship. And it shows us the, the whole function and purpose of Sunday gatherings, Right? It's to show you, oh, hey, you're not by yourself. Are you a new mom? You don't have to be alone and you being a new mom. You can ask all the other mothers in the room, what is it like to be a mom? Because I can't sleep right now. And I have the fathers. In the, I have other people who have been fathers and ones that are new, new fathers that I can say, hey, don't trouble your troubles. You got plenty of them. Don't make it worse, right? Not because, not because that's not, you know, Jesus says, do not be anxious for today, right? There's plenty of things for, or about tomorrow. Be worried about today. And your job is to be faithful right now. So if you're not sleeping, dads, here's, here's your uh, edification, point of edification. You won't. <laughs> but you're going to rest in Christ one day. And that's maybe why you're not sleeping. That might be why your hearts are so in turmoil. Because you're not resting in what you already have, which is that eternal rest to come. But you're resting, you're trying to control the situation that a baby shows you. You can't control. You can't do it, right? And he's try, God is trying to show you through that uh, through that little baby or your wife or your brothers or whatever that you are not in control that God is. So uh, that together with believers is really important. If we cannot have if we don't have one another around, how are you to stir up one another to love and good works? The answer is you can't. I mean it's pretty blatant. See scripture knows nothing of an individualistic Lone Ranger Christianity. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Scripture does not know of a Christian living in isolation from other believers. It actually says if you are in isolation, you need to go find a body. Right? Uh, The New Testament describes the church as a body and a household in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 2. Therefore, to be a Christian is to be a part of and involved in a body of believers, a local church. A major in which we worship corporately is through encouraging and being encouraged by others. Thank you, Steve. For instance, when we sing, what does the Bible say about singing? Sing to one another. Psalms and spiritual songs with faithfulness in your hearts to God. Right? When we read the word, when whoever comes up here reads the word, who is to be, uh, who, who is being edified by that? The reader? Should be all of us. So it doesn't matter who's reading the scriptures. You should be listening. Because it is how we encourage one, another's, one another. So, we address one another in psalms and spiritual psalms. We address one another with our prayers. We address, like, in, in the sense of, we pray for one another. Right? We stir them up to love and good works. This is the reason why we cannot engage in corporate worship through a TV or a podcast or over the internet. Scripture commands us to assemble with other believers for the purpose of approaching God with other Christians and for mutual edification. See that as how do we grow as Christians? As a part of the body. Can a hand that's unattached from the body grow? Paul says no. I mean, your life says no. You must be a part of a body. So worship is both an end and a means, right? It's a means to show us the glory of God through each other's lives, but it's also the end goal, right? Why does missions exist? Because worship doesn't. That's what that, John Piper said it so clearly. Why does missions exist? Why do we do missions? Why do we do discipling? It's because the word, the world does not worship god it worships something else that will kill them psalm 115 right so worship is an end in itself because it because worship is for god's glory it is engaging with god on the terms he proposes in the way that he alone makes possible and at the same time worship is also a means to godliness we become like whom or like what we worship And as we worship God in spirit and truth, we grow in the conformity to the image of his son. That's the whole point, to grow in godliness, to become more like Jesus. So consider the object of your worship. Consider, is it a Psalm 115, verse 3 to 6 worship, where you become blind to others' needs, or deaf. To your own sin, or dumb because you're always speaking lies or vitriolic things. Now you may not be saying these like really mean. Most of you are very nice people. I'm just saying like, are you not being, uh, are you not being edifying with your speech? Because an idol and an idol worshiper becomes like that idol, blind, deaf, and dumb with no breath in their throat. So worship is a means to godliness and it is for God's glory and we become like whom or what we worship. So consider the object of your worship and I pray that it's this one, the glorious and majestic creator and redeemer God. Triune in nature, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all one God. He has graciously done this for us, right? Created a time and a place for us to worship him in spirit and truth through Christ. So, here's the edification, or here's the exhortation. Go read God's word. Go spend time with his family. Be a part of the body. Worship in spirit and truth, not only from 1030 to to noon, but from noon all the way to the next 1030 of Sunday. That means all the time, Sunday to Sunday. All the time, worship in spirit and truth. Allow scripture, prayer, song, and our relationships with with other Christians to encourage us in our worship. Let us also eagerly, eagerly long for the day that when we finally gather around God's throne, we see an innumerable multitude to praise his name forever. There is an end. There's also a means. That means is the spirit and in truth and his truth. His word, his spirit, worshiping now until we see him and we're made like him finally. Growth and godliness. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about for the next hour, many weeks we decide to go in this study. Next is how do we read the scriptures to understand the scriptures on their own terms? I don't know if you've, you've probably been taught like inductive Bible study. Uh, or something like that. Or, I don't know. Has anybody gone to a class and they gave you a Bible and they teach you? Um, they teach you like you underline this, you mark this in this color. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? I always taught that a long time ago. I don't remember it. So, um, but we're going to talk about what the Bible emphasizes. That that's and so don't hear me. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying I'm teaching another way. Uh, I, and hopefully, it's the Bible's way. Prayerfully, you'll see it as that. So, the next two weeks or so, we're going to talk about Bible reading, Bible intake, and all the ways that that happens. Do you guys have any questions uh, about this material, or because we got a minute, and then I'm going to pray. No pressure. Any questions? We worship in spirit and truth all the time, right? One of my one of my favorite guys to listen to uh, says it this way: All of Christ for all of life. Okay, not there is no compartmentalizing Jesus. He either infects all of you and takes you over completely, or you uh, may not be, you know, submitted to his will or saved even. At the worst, so think about that: all of life, all of Christ for all of life. In every way that you can muster. Uh, If you don't have any questions, then we're gonna be done here. Yeah. um, So it just reminds me talking about sort of the the extremes, going back to that earlier conversation of Dave mentioning like those who just neglect these these commands and those who are in circumstances that are out of their control that don't allow them to carry them out in the in the ideal sense. I think they're. There's so much hope knowing that the Lord examines the hearts mm-hmm. and our labors are fruit of our desires, but if circumstances don't allow like, the Lord's gonna see the heart. Was our were we were striving we... and longing for this? Was it a friction inside of us that was tearing us apart when you're on deployment or when you're in prison or, or these extreme circumstances that are one-offs? Or were you not seeking these these means of obedience? the Lord's the Lord sees that. And there's there's no excusing them. Yeah, you're not going to be fooled by your, the outside of circumstances or your excuses. So I think there's a lot of hope and that should give you a lot of comfort. Yeah, it yeah. should give you some comfort too. That for people who do say, "Well, I can worship at home in my prayer closet with Hillsong blaring," you might be able to, but that's not the fullness of what worship said. Worship is, especially within His Word. But if your heart's in the right place and that's all you got, like literally that's all you got, then. I'm sure the Lord will be gracious. But he still longs for you to be a part of his body. You know, but now we should. We should also long to be a part of his body. All right, I'm going to pray. I'm getting the eyeballs. Uh, Anyway, uh, we're going to pray. And uh, I'm going to pray particularly that we become worshipers, spirit and truth. So you pray with me. Father, you have created us, new creations. You have saved us. You have brought us into um, communion with yourself so that we might be conformed to the pattern of your son. The, Lord, we pray now that you would show us where we are not being obedient in this endeavor to worship you. We pray that you would show us where we are unable and un where uh, we just lack the want, Lord, to worship you. Lord, strike that from us. Create a longing in us to meet with other believers so that we might see your son more fully, so we might become more like him. Create in us, Lord, a longing to read our Bibles, not because of some legalistic reason that I'm not accepted by you if I don't read, Lord, but because you are found in these pages. That we understand who you are better because we read the scriptures and create that longing within us. Lord, create that longing within our church. Lord, help us to become more like the worshipers that you desire us to be in spirit and in truth. Lord, I love you. I thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your spirit being within us. Now, Lord, bless us as we continue to worship your name today for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen.